friends. I'm Leanna Hinkle with the Hinkle Homestead. And I'm Lindsay Weininger with Weininger Farms. And we are your hosts on We Chose the Farm. Today is episode one and we are talking about chickens. We are going to answer your questions about choosing what kind of breeds, um, all about chicken math, and yeah, that's a real thing. We're going to talk a little bit about hatching and finally getting those eggs that you've always wanted. So Lindsay, tell me about how you would get started with chickens. If I say, if I come into your feed store and I say, I need chickens, what do I need to do? The first thing I'm going to ask you, uh, hands down, is where are you going to put them? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of an important one. Uh, basic structures for shelter is you need uh, a, an area. I want to say that the square footage per chicken is like four square feet per chicken. Yeah. Is the, the average that you're supposed to kind of stick with. So you need a run area. You need nesting boxes. You need all, all that. But all of that needs to be predator-proof and enclosed some way to keep the bad guys out, um, whether that be bigger fowl, like hawks, owls. It could be things like raccoons, possums, all the things, foxes, coyotes. It could be yes. cats. But this coop could also be a little non-traditional too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I I don't know if many people have seen like the the chicken tractors where it's like you build up a frame and you actually move it along. The... We have those. You do. We do. Yeah. Or mine is legit, total traditional, built off the side yes. of my barn, and I've got uh you know coop boxes up off the ground with a little run area for them. Um, it could be anything. I've also seen we have a friend of ours that made an old kids plastic playhouse into a chicken coop and i think she nests in the sink i think that's perfect tower playhouse so you can really get pretty creative with Mm -hmm. all of these things yes i just remember that they like to uh roost high and they like to pick specific areas to to lay their eggs so you're gonna have you know you have five chickens five nesting boxes and they're all gonna lay in one yes yeah, but then the other things you're basically going to need is a, uh, a feeder, a waterer, um, and, you know, some t- type of bedding that is easily um, changed so that it always stays dry. Basic care for any animal is shelter, clean water, and a protein source. Hands down, it's just a matter of what that looks like for each animal. So, uh, we, um, you, with chicks, you're always going to choose a little bit of a higher protein feed, whether that be like an all flock or even there's specifically chick starters out there and, um, then a clean water source. That's, we offer suggestions like electrolytes or, um, you know, some people will talk to you about chick grit. I have my own personal feelings about grit, but, (laughs) um, yeah, little things like that to help you. Jumpstart, apple cider vinegar is always good to have on hand with chickens. Molasses is always good to have on hand with chickens. There's little tips and tricks that you can find on the internet. But clean water, a protein source, and good shelter. 
is the basic things that you need for chickens. So there are a lot of different types of food that you carry at your store, um, but also that I get quite I get quite a lot of different kind of bags of feed. Um, specifically, I get chick starter mm-hmm. for my chicks, but then as they start to switch over, then we switch them over to layer. Correct. Right at about 16, anywhere between 16 and 20 weeks is kind of an owner's preference. I don't like to switch mine over until I actually see eggs. Um, but you can start um, switching over to a layer feed. If you are, this is if you're choosing to have laying chickens, you switch over to a layer feed, which actually takes back the protein level a little bit, but increases the calcium. Right. So it increases the calcium, but lowers the protein. So it's a little bit better for everybody, right? Yes. Uh, anyone that's laying Yes. So if you had a mixed flock of maybe um, some different ages, like some chicks or some layers or even those awkward in-between... Awkward teenager chickens? Yeah, the teenager chickens, then an all-flock would be probably the best, right? You want to keep your protein level at at the state of what your youngest chicken needs. So it's okay that your older chickens have a higher protein. Just provide them with the calcium source if that's if that's what you choose. Um, but you're going to always have, like if you're going to have young chickens, you always need that higher protein. Your laying hens can have the higher protein. They just need the extra calcium. That's awesome. So for the next question that you're going to ask once you have the shelter and the, all the stuff that you need is what breeds work best for you and your family. So, Leanna, what breeds are the best breeds? Uh, you know, I think it really kind of depends on your goals, and that may totally change as it goes on. Um, because when we met, you know, two, three years ago, this is not the same, <laughs> same <laughs> ideas as what it is, um, which is fun. So... I think if you are looking for um, egg production, which a lot of people don't usually start off with big fancy chickens doing. So if you're looking for egg productions, good Buff Orpingtons, Rhode Island Reds, um, Leghorns, or even some really great top productions like your uh, Barred Rocks and even like the Silver Laced um, are really great choices as well. So... There's nothing wrong with those chickens. They can be great. Um, they are awesome production lane chickens. They'll start laying sooner. Um, but if you want to get into a little bit more, less traditional, and you can get a little fancy, they have Polish chickens that have the fancy feathers on the top of their heads. They have silkies that are like... I always call them like cats. They're like the cats of chickens because they're so soft and they're usually pretty friendly that you can just pick them up. Um, Easter eggers are great because they lay blue eggs and they're super friendly. So that's also kind of like one of those in-between breeds because I feel like not a lot of people that are just hardcore egg production really necessarily have blue eggs. But I think more of your traditional hobby backyard chicken keeper has some sort of Easter eggers. Uh, So those are always really fun. You can get into 
uh, different egg colors. Like we just talked about the blue ones, but even Moran's lay like a really dark chocolate brown color. Mm -hmm. And what's even more fun is that like chicken math is a real thing. So you start off with a couple, it ends out by like 40 and then a hundred. And then by the next thing, you know, it, you're like me that has 300 chickens and you're like, I swear there's only 10 here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, so then you get into wanting to do some fun mixes, like taking your dark layer Moran and mixing it with an Easter egger who's blue and you get like an olive egger. So that's a whole different set of breeds that is just everywhere. And I think, and there's even little tiny bantams that are super cute. Oh, yeah. All things that are tiny are adorable. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it is the best. So um, I think it really just kind of depends on what your goals are. Our goals have always been at the homestead have been a pretty flock and a pretty egg basket. And I think we stay pretty true to that. We have just about every range of colored of eggs from, you know, your dark browns, your olives, your blues, your regular browns, and even whites because I know... Chicken people get a little off-put by white eggs or at the grocery store, but I think it just adds that nice little complimentary colors to and your it egg means, basket. It means, too, that, like, there legit really is a white egg. Yeah. There really is. A Lakehorns lay white eggs. <laughs> and they're great. I mean, they they're are. great layers. Yeah. You know, but what was also really super fun when we started doing chickens is a lot of people said to me, I've never seen a brown egg. I'm like, what? Like, they're yeah. real. They exist. And I'll, and especially when we started doing the blue ones or even the green ones, they're like, are these safe to eat? Like, yes, it's just the pigment in the shells. It has nothing to do with any of it. So it's kind of fun to see, um, you know, city folk <laughs> get to look at different colored eggs. And that's that's a bunch of fun. I think something important too is um, talking, make sure that you are aware of your breeds with your climate that you're living in. That's a super, that's a, that's another debate here that I have is um, we don't heat our coop for winter. Do you guys heat yours? We do not. Okay. The reason why I personally don't heat is because we're in central Illinois. Our winters get a little um sketchy i mean they do get pretty cold Mm -hmm. um not as cold as most but they're cold and they're most likely wet um and being out in the middle of the country we lose power a lot a lot a lot so my personal opinion when you have heat in the winter as supplemental heat or even if it's supplemental light to try to get more egg production through the winter whatever if they are used to it and you lose power you can lose your whole flock to the shock of that temperature fluctuation this is a little advanced but you could also send your flock into a molt and that will screw up your timing as well in in you know maintaining the health of your flock and absolutely and you don't want your chickens to be in a molt in the dead of winter that is bad news for naked chickens yeah you negative (laughs) degrees because you know uh, we look, I love my chickens and we all want them to be nice and cozy and comfortable. But the reality of it is, is that they have the feathers that trap all that heat in there. So they are self-regulating, especially when you see them all snuggled up together. They're fine. Mm-hmm. All of my chickens made it 
and we're doing great when we had that polar vortex a couple of years ago. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but here we got like negative 40 right. overnight. And I was so terrified, but they were fine. Yeah. They were totally fine. Now put a silky out there. That's that's absolutely. a whole different story. But so just watch your breeds and watch whether or not they are winter hardy or if they handle heat well, if you're in a warmer state, you've got to watch your the like their weathering conditions I guess absolutely no you're totally right like the silkies like I was saying are the cats of chickens because they are one big giant puff ball they are a cotton ball chicken yeah uh, they have no feathers to keep that heat in there same thing with the frizzles oh yeah I've heard that I have not um, seen one but I've heard that. oh my gosh they're so cute <laughs> <laughs> um but anything that has like I would say normal feathers mm-hmm. are fine and When we're talking about normal feathers, I think when people have chickens and they get chicks, when is the appropriate time to put them outside? Because they do need heat those first couple of days, Mm -hmm. weeks, Yes. um, to do that. So whether it's heat from mama hen or heat from a heat lamp and a brooder, just the baby chicks. You don't have to have a brooder inside the coop. You can keep it in your house or in your garage or something. Right. Um, but I think the rule is is once they're always fully feathered. It usually hits right about six weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that six-week mark, and then they are ready to go and join the rest of them. Yeah, that's true. But before we get into all of that, I bet you're kind of wondering, okay, so I have my chickens that I want to do. I want to do production chickens. I want to do fancy chickens. How do I get them? So, funny you should ask, because I have a feed store where I sell chickens. <laughs> no, but um, the, it, exactly the right questions to ask if you're looking for egg production chickens, you're going to want to talk to a feed store like the one I have, um, and see when they might be getting chicks or when they have chicks. Or you could talk directly to hatcheries as well. There's plenty of hatcheries all over the United States um, that can help fulfill your needs. But I can tell you, (laughs) you can get um, quite a bit of a variety from a feed store and a lower number of chickens. So let's say you only want to have a flock of 10 you're not going to have to have a minimum order from a hatchery, whereas at a feed store, you can literally go and pick up. When you say order, chickens actually come in the mail. They do. They are live chickens. Uh, when you open the box, there is actually little peeping birds in there for you. Um, here at our store, we we do have, when we have our chick days, we have a chick day. We aim for the first week of April every year. We have your basic breeds. The, the basic breeds, commercial laying breeds that we talked about. But then we also kind of shoot for some extras. You know, we have some Wyandotte, some Belvedere's. I don't know how to say all those fancy names. There's a lot of fancy names. Salmon Favreau's. Did yeah. I get that one right? I'm trying to yeah. think of all of the, the other extras that we get. Um, as well as we also get lots of ducks and turkeys. We have not ventured into much else besides ducks and turkeys. But... Um, so if you're looking to get, you know, just start off your flock with lots of different kinds, but only a few number, going to your local feed store is a great place to start. If you're looking to show chickens, that's a whole different ballgame. And if you're looking for the fancier breeds, then that's where people like 
they can go homestead. Okay. Yeah. And that's, you'll get to find out that there's a lot of different um, standards of perfection when it comes to showing and preserving certain breeds and doing all that. So um, finding a breeder, a local breeder that you uh, feel comfortable and you like their stock is always a super great choice. And they either sell hatching eggs or they sell chicks. Um, they could be grow outs, they could be hens, they could be a little bit of everything. But I really do enjoy um, your feedster that you said that you don't have to get a minimum amount because a lot of hatcheries um, have like a 15 chick minimum. And I remember when we first started and I was like, oh, 15 chickens. <laughs> like that's a lot of chickens to take care of. And now I'm like, let's get 45 eggs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hashtag chicken math. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's always been fine about it too. But it's, it, some of the hatcheries do have lower amounts and that's great. Um, but man, if you can always shop local and do it, you're, you're so better off for sure. Yep. I, I will say too that you have, better control over you know you're you get to pick out which chicken you want to take home so you're not going to be picking out a sick chicken so to speak like if you yeah whereas in the mail I mean you kind of have to take what you get it's and it's stressful on the chickens it's not saying that they're sick but that the the transport is tough in a nutshell they are getting sent on the day that they were hatched with what's called solid water is the technical term for it and it comes with these little, almost like green chunks. I think there might be another color in some other hatcheries, but they come with like these green chunks. So when you're getting, like we get, our first order is somewhere between 1,100 and 1,500 birds. So when we get that, that first, you know, box of birds, when we dip those birds' head in water, that's the first water that they're tasting. Because when they hatch, they can survive primarily on the yolk that they've absorbed exactly. in that egg, mm-hmm. for sure. But that it's it does blow my mind that they just literally like break open the egg and they're like, okay, you're good to go. Let's put a stamp on it and yep. off you are. And they it's take them, they either sex them or they don't if you get a straight run. And then they throw them in a box with the little chunks of green and send them on their way crazy. So now that you have your chickens, you have your fancy chickens, you have your egg production chickens and oh snap, chicken math happened. It got you. So now you've got your hens that are, we'll say seven months old. Okay. Because that's about the time where I feel like you're like, that was easy. Let's get some more. Exactly. So then you want to add more uh, what's what's the best way to add baby chickens to your flock? So uh, you, if you're really lucky, uh, and sometimes this is luck and sometimes this is bad, but sometimes people get what's called a broody hen. Broody hens are can be bad and they can be good at the same time. So if you have a broody hen, um, she's probably going to be laying on eggs already that you take from her every day. Um those are actually really helpful if you get baby chicks because you can pull a fast one on her. I don't know if you've ever done this. I have not. But you can pull a fast one on her and give her chicks. And she, you have to watch carefully. You, There's a science to this. 
So you can swap them out and uh, put in new baby chicks, and sometimes she will legit lay on them and break the broody cycle. And you got it, man. That's like the best case scenario. But because then she raises them exactly. and she teaches them how to eat, how to forage food. She keeps them warm. She shows them how to do the cute little chicken things and yeah. everything in between. But that's obviously best case scenario. Um, what's really important when you are adding chicks, especially into your flock, just like you would, you know, acclimate other species to a herd. You also have to acclimate chickens to, a, you know, a roost. You need to keep them separated, but you need to keep them, you know, they need to be introduced to each other. And I always like to think process. it's kind of like, um, so I grew up with cats, one cat. So when I moved out on my first big girl apartment, I got another cat. And, you know, my house, my rules, I do what I want. I get a cat. Yes. You know? <laughs> Good call. Um, so, but for introduction, you know, they say, like, put the food bowl underneath a closed door so that they can, like, sniff each other out and stuff like that. I think it's kind of along the lines of the same thing is that you initially keep them quarantined just for a little bit just to make sure that anybody's germs and cooties don't, you know, mix for They're a bit. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like a space, we have like a little shoot off of our um, original chicken coop. And so it's like a fence. And so they can see each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything's good. They have a space inside the coop to where they can get out of the shelter, but still visually see each other. And we don't release our chicks into our main flock of hens until they are a little bit bigger Mm -hmm. and like similar body size around eight to 12 weeks. That's smart. Is what we do. Um, however, I have released them smaller also because I have bantams mm-hmm. and they're like real tiny, even when they're full grown. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, we have the luxury to be able to free range a little bit. Right. And I've noticed that it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. when they are able to free range. Um, however, that first night that I do put them in together, my little like tip trade secret of the night is um, I do put them in at night together okay um so i just pull the old swisheroo and toss the little babies on the roost right next to them and then they kind of wake up and they're like oh you must have been here this whole entire time yes we can be friends now and you'll see a little bit of a pecking order which isn't fighting it's just establishing who's boss and who's not i actually get that quite a bit here at the feed store my chickens are bullies you know, they're just, they're just hurting each other. They're like at each other's throats all day. And I'm like, that's normal. They are determining, you know, who's the mother hen, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And with that peck order, I mean, you, they are chickens. They peck at everything. It's just most of it, I think is curiosity. And I think another part of it it is dominance. And I think when you are starting to see severe problems with it, like missing feathers or even blood, then you can say that's a bully issue. Right. Yes. Instead of that. But I haven't ever had that bad. I had had one issue with that, um, but I think I related. Actually, I solved it with boredom. They were bored. So once they started free ranging more because of the weather... Things calm down quite a bit. They don't have enough space is another thing too because, I mean, chicken math gets you. Here's another tip. If you're building your coop for 20, 
Build it for 40. Yeah. Yes. Smart move. <laughs> if you, I swear, if you just say, I only want a few, you only want a few hundred. Yep. <laughs> it happens. It really does. That's yes. really funny. It's, it's so true. Okay. So we're, we're talking through like adding chicks to the flock. Talk to me about like, so I want to add chicks to the flock by hatching my own. So fun. It is one of our most favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. We hatch out almost year round. I'm addicted to it. Um, I hatch out every four weeks of just about, honestly. Um, but it only takes 21 days for an egg to hatch. So if you have a rooster in your flock that's doing its job or you have purchased your breeder fancy hatching eggs, um, you get your incubator set up. I personally prefer if you're just getting started a nurture right 360 great i'll add the link in the show notes perfect or a hoover bader 1588 also will be attaching yes so those are really great tabletop incubators to start off with the nurture right holds 22 the hoover bader holds 41 so exactly depending on how crazy you want to get with it they're about the same price point, um, so it just I we have we have two of each. There really. you go. I mean, I like it. <laughs> yes. Um, so you can hatch out your own chickens in about three weeks, and then follow the brooder care that we went over earlier. Um, or, like you said, you can get eggs again from a breeder or from your own flock, and hope that you have a broody hen. She'll be sitting on it for a couple weeks so that you know. And if that's what you want to do to let her, you know, do her job, make sure that you mark the eggs Smart. that she lays on. Yep. And you can take the rest because sometimes other chickens will sneak into that one box that you said earlier, you know, and they do. And then sometimes your broody doesn't have enough babies and steals some more eggs, you know. So it's a thing that totally happens. Uh, so, yeah. So hatching is so fun. It takes 21 days at about 99 to 100 degrees, and I do more of a dry hatch style. So my day 1 through 18 is about 35 to 45%, and then lockdown, which is the last three days, I bump it up to 60%. For the moisture. For the moisture, Got yep, because you need a constant state of heat and humidity in order for eggs to develop. It's not going to happen sitting on your countertop. And I actually tried this on a very hot, warm summer day week. Yeah. I put an egg in a flower pot on my deck Oh. just to see what would happen. Nothing happened. No, Not enough moisture. Well, I don't know if it wasn't a constant temperature from it shifting from daytime to nighttime makes sense but i just kind of wanted to see like sure if somebody laid in you know a nest in the bushes would i just randomly have chickens no you're not randomly just gonna have chickens show up that's good (laughs) if it was that easy (laughs) we'd be in trouble you know but no um so hashing is my favorite and it's there's a lot of different times for different kind of breeds. That's that funny. Like um, peacocks and I think turkeys and even some ducks take around like 28 days huh. to hatch. And then if you jump on the crazy train like we did, emus take about 55 days to wow. hatch. So if you think it's hard waiting three weeks for your chicken to hatch, try waiting two months for an email. It was, it's very nail biting. <laughs> so, but 
Now, when you hatch chickens, are they all pullets? Oh, gosh. So... Pullet being a female. So, if there's anything that I have learned about the first year of us trying to hatch out and sell our own stock of black copper morans, olive acres, is that everybody wants pullets. Everybody wants female chicks. Yeah, because they lay the eggs. Of course everybody does. You know, but kind of realistically, just like humans, you get about a 50-50 chance that it could be either boy or girl. So when when you go, and that's the thing, I am not a professional chicken bent sexer. Otherwise, oh, you're not? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Otherwise, I probably would not be doing this, you know, out of our bar and we'd be, I would be in a professional hatchery. Uh. Um, so... No, we sell our chicks straight run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're doing specific breeds, that's not necessarily a bad thing because it gives you diversity to continue your own line. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that is the question. What do I do with all these roosters? How do I tell if there's roosters? And there's really not a lot of day one like telltale signs. Unless they're a different color. Which yes. happens among some breeds, but not many. No, there's very difference between autosexing and sex-linked. Got it? Yeah. Autosexing and sex-linked birds, there's a big difference between that and pretty much every other chicken breed. Yeah. Um, so about four weeks, you can start to tell. The yeah. combs will start to get a little bit bigger. They'll start to be a little bit redder compared to your other uh, clutch yes. mates, yeah. your other clutch mates. Um, then that's not necessarily saying that if you get a mixed bag from somebody, that's not saying that everyone with big combs are also roosters. So don't just go ditching your whole project now. (laughs) So it's kind of tough. But honestly, I think that if you are looking to hatch out chickens, you need to have a backup plan for what you're going to do with all of these roosters. Right. And, um, and this is how it gets to be farming. It's full circle, and a chicken is still a chicken. So whether it's your choice to use this rooster to feed your family in a few months when it's reached appropriate size, or if you have other ways of turning it into a meal, then that's your thing. But I just, it's tough. It's tough to rehome them because nobody wants roosters. Right, yeah. They don't have a lot of purpose besides meat. I have, I, on... Probably um, once a month at least, I have people coming into the feed store asking if I knew of anyone that wants roosters. So it's a real thing. It's something that people deal with and struggle with. And if if you're not willing to be putting them down, then you need to be figuring out a way to get predominantly pullets. Now, we do take um, a big, large amount of our roosters, and I know you take your meat birds as well to get professionally processed. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're one of those people that are like, well, you know, okay, I wouldn't mind eating, you know, Frank the Tank right. rooster, but I don't really want to do it. You know, that's fine. There's tons of YouTube videos to figure out how to actually do the things. Yes. Um, but if you don't want to do it, there's there's poultry facility plants. Sometimes right. they have a minimum of how many you need to have, you know, but if you're like hatching out every four weeks, that might not be a hard thing to accomplish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are basics to poultry. I will definitely, I think that that's a good blanket statement for the stuff we've talked about today. 
there's so many other questions that we could go into about you know talking through eggs and we could talk about so many other things so we'll we'll take some time to talk about those other another time but we'd love to also field your questions we both have our own expertise so if you're looking to you know talk about getting yourself set up what it's going to look like feed options say you want to be organic talk to me about organic talk to me about um you know if you want to have multiple different kinds of poultry talk to me about that feed and stuff is my expertise now if you want to talk about breeding if you want to talk about color projects whether it's chickens or egg color projects there you go i got you that's my jam yeah that's the great thing about having a traditional farmer and a hobby farmer <laughs> in the same room yes. so uh yeah let us know reach out to us and we can hook you up with some answers or find people with the answers if we don't know and if there's questions that we did not answer that you really need to know shoot us a comment uh, find us, like I said, on Facebook and Instagram at We Chose the Farm, and we would be happy to feature your questions in our next pod in our next podcast, so that everybody else can learn from our questions too. Hey, Leanna, where can they find the Hinkle Homestead? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well at the Hinkle Homestead. And where can they find you? We are at the Weininger Farms on Instagram. At our feed store, where you can actually purchase the chickens, is Country Feed Princeville. Um, but we'll link all that in our show notes. But thanks for stopping in, friends. Thanks for talking poultry with us. And we'll see you next week. See ya.